getting through. It's been, it's been a while. First John, okay. The epistle of First John. Does anyone remember any of the themes or concepts or topics that we've addressed already from our study? Love. Love. Yes, that's... <laughs> It's come up uh, again and again, and it's going to come up today. The importance of loving God, loving each other. God is love. What else did you see in, in 1 John? You can turn there because we're going to 1 John chapter 4. What else do you recall from our study? We talked about the importance of fellowship. That word, Greek word, koinonia, how God has designed us to live in fellowship with one another. Talked about people who said, oh, I know God, I know God. But then they go and live like they don't know God. And John says, uh-uh, those people are lying. Because to know God is to love others. To know God is to take his word seriously. John talked about how to deal with sin in your life. If you have sin, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just. Beloved, I write to you that you will not fall into sin. But if you do, there is an advocate. There's someone who can take care of it for you. We've talked about the proper response in relationship to the world. How we're supposed to love the world, but we're not supposed to let the world and its, its practices shape who we are and take us away from God. And we talked about much more. But I want to just jump right into it in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 12. And we get this interesting statement there. 1 John 4 verse 12. If you're there, say, I'm there. 1 John 4, verse 12, it says there, Nobody, no one, I'm reading from the New King James today, has seen God at any time. Now some of you are thinking, well, wait, I thought Moses saw God. And, and aha, uh -huh, exactly. Moses saw part of God, but he didn't get the full revelation of who God was. You see, in John's day, there were people going around, these false teachers that we've talked about, and they were saying, I've had an experience with God. I've seen God. I've had a vision. I traveled to heaven and back. And they were claiming all sorts of things, and John is saying, no, 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 no. Nobody has seen God. Nobody has seen God. But look at what he says next. But if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. I may not have seen the full, complete revelation of God, but there's a powerful evidence that God is in my heart and your heart if we have what? If we have love. And I'll mention the Holy Spirit in just a moment. So we see, if we love one another, God abides in us. These first few verses, verses 12 through 16, we realize that love and abiding go together. What does it mean to abide in God? It's not a word we use all the time. Want to come over to my abode? <laughs> That's my house, right? Place that I stay. So to abide in God is to get with God and stay with God. Get with Jesus and stay with Jesus. Start your day with Him. Walk your day with Him. End your day with Him. If we love one another... We are abiding. God is abiding in us, and his love has been perfected, matured in us. God is love, and if that God who is love is inside of us, do you think we're going to be more loving? Yeah. How many of you struggle to love people? Just be honest. I, mean, I do. My hand's raised. 
It is a real struggle sometimes, oftentimes, to love people. And I think our focus is wrong sometimes. Sometimes we're focused on, okay, I gotta love, okay, I gotta, let's see, gotta get some love like welled up in my heart, okay, grip my teeth, I'm gonna love this person today. When, when we're seeing here, love and abiding go together. Our struggle should be to stay connected, to abide, and if we abide, it says God is in us, and if he's in us, he has so much love, it's just going to start flowing out of us, overflowing out of us. What did Jesus say? Basically, the one who receives me, who has me in him, out of him will come fountains of living water. So, you've got those people in your life that are tough to love. Let that drive you closer to God. And let God do the loving through you. Verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he's given us his spirit. So if we're abiding, if we're loving, we're going to have the Holy Spirit in our life. And what's the first fruit of the spirit? The fruit of the spirit is love. So don't fight to get love. Fight to stay with the Spirit. Fight to stay with God. And out of that abiding, love will come. Some of us are fighting to stay cool in this weather. Are you, are you struggling with that? If you have air conditioning in your house, you praise the Lord. Sarah and I would not even consider a home when we moved here that didn't have good AC. Uh, and we have one. So... If you want to stay cool, stay in the house, right? If you get hot, it's because you've walked outside or something horrible's happened and your AC's broken. So if you're having trouble loving, where do you need to be? You need to be abiding. Abide in your home, you'll stay cool. Abide in a relationship with God. And the loving will happen through him, through his spirit, through the fruits of the spirit. Verse 14, and we have seen and testify that the father who has sent the son as savior to the world, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We've talked about some of these heresies that John was trying to refute. And again, a proper abiding relates to a proper understanding of who God, who Jesus is who they are. Verse 16, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. You see, God doesn't want us just to know about his love in our mind. Yeah, 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 I know God loves the world. He wants us to believe it. And belief is more than an intellectual assent. Belief is an experience as well as something in your mind. It affects the heart and the mind. And we have known, verse 16, and believed the love that God has for us. God is what? Love. love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Can you separate abiding and love? If you're abiding, you're going to be loving. If you're loving, it's because you're abiding. Those two go together. Notice what happens next, verse 17. Point one, abiding in love go together. 
section 2, verse 17 through 19. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment. When you hear the word judgment, is, is it naturally like a positive, warm, fuzzy feeling that comes to you? For most of it, it's, it's like, oh, I don't want that. Oh, judgment. Oh, that's scary. Right. So, so check this out. If this love has been perfected, has been matured among us, if we're abiding and God is in us and God is love, we can have boldness, confidence, some of your translations say, in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so we are in this world. You know, the judgment is not something that we need to be afraid of. In fact, judgment is used differently throughout the scriptures. I'm going to post on our, on our Parkwood Facebook group uh, and page an article this afternoon written by the dean of the seminary. And it's a really, really good article. It's, it's some good Sabbath afternoon reading if you want something more to dig into. It's a little intense. By intense, I mean um, it'll make you think. And you might have to read it slowly and carefully and chew on it for a while. But he goes through seven different ways, seven different phases of God's judgment as used in the scriptures. And he shows how judgment is a good thing. You know, I looked up just a few verses to share. Here's one, Genesis chapter 30, verse 6. I'll just read it to you from my notes. Then Rachel said, God has judged me. And he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. Here's somebody who's struggling to have a child. When she does have one, she says, praise God, he judged me. He gave me a son. Judgment was a positive thing for Rachel. What about 1 Samuel 24, verse 12? David says, may the Lord judge between me and you speaking to Saul, and may the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. I pray that God will, will judge this thing, and he'll do what's right, David says. Or, or later on in Psalm, Psalm 7, verse 8, the Lord judges the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to the integrity that's within me. David says, God, I want you to judge me. David wasn't fearing the judgment. He was inviting it and asking judgment. Lamentations 3.59, You have seen the wrong done to me, O Lord. Judge my cause. There's a lot of injustice that's been done to us in our world. The judgment means good news that God is going to set everything right. God doesn't call upon us to get revenge. God says, vengeance is mine. I'll take care of it for you. The people that have used and abused you in your life, it's not your responsibility to get them back. That doesn't mean we shouldn't seek for justice here in this world. Uh, and, and there are very appropriate ways to do that. But ultimately, the judge of the world is going to make it right. Amen. Amen. And we don't need to fear that because, as Sister Beasley said, we know the judge. Amen. We know the judge. John 5, verse 30, Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment, he says, is just. Because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus is the judge, and he's got our very best intentions at heart. Amen? Amen. So check it out, this article, if you want something more to, 
to sink your teeth into this afternoon. Uh, the good news about judgment. And if we're abiding, if God's in us and we're in Him, John tells us back in our passage that we can have boldness. Not because our record is perfect, but because Jesus, our substitute life, His record is perfect. Amen? Amen. 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 This is good news. Verse 18, There is no fear in love, but love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now some say, well, what about, aren't we supposed to fear God and give glory to Him? Revelation 14. Yeah, different use of the word fear, right? Fear, respect, reverence, honor God. But we don't have to fear Him because the closer we know Him, the more we're going to realize that He loves us so much and He has only good intentions for us. Does anyone remember that video I showed of the dog, the stray dog, several weeks ago, maybe a month or ago? It was a dog that had been used and abused and left for whatever was going to happen to it. And some people who had tender hearts saw the dog and said, we've got to do something to help this dog out. But even as they were trying to help it, the dog was scared and tried to bite the hand of the person who was trying to help it. And it was afraid. It didn't realize the intentions of the person who was trying to help it. And that's how we are often with God. We've heard the wrong picture of God presented, maybe through our parents, maybe through sermons, or maybe just through the world. And we fear God. We fear judgment. We fear the things that are coming. But, but John, who, who walked and talked with Jesus face to face, he says there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So the more we get to know our God, the less we'll be afraid and the more we'll have joy for the things that are coming our way. Verse 19, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. He's initiated this whole thing from the very beginning. He's carrying us through and he's the one that finishes it. So when we get to heaven, we can't boast in any way, shape, or form. For it's by grace we're saved through faith, not of ourselves, it's the gift of God. Point number one is that love and abiding go together. If you want to love more, abide more. Stay connected more. And you'll find more love in your heart for those people in your lives that are hard to love. Point number two the more you love and abide, the less fear you'll have. Perfect love, God's perfect love, will cast out the fear and we can have confidence in the day of judgment. Do you want that confidence? It's like going into court knowing that, that you've got all the evidence to show without a shadow of a doubt that you're off the hook. Um... You can have a lot of confidence because of what Christ has done for us. Let's move into our final section for today. Verse 20 and onward. If somebody says, and we saw this already, I love God and hates his brother, they're a what? A liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love the God whom he has not seen? And this is the commandment we have from him. 
that he who loves God must love his brother also. A solemn reminder of the importance of how we treat one another. Continuing on to chapter 5, verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who also, or who begot also, let me start that over again. Everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. In other words, if you love God, you're going to love God's kids. Right? That means each other. We need to love each other. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to be your absolute BFF, your best friend forever. And you may not even really like being around certain people. But God puts a love in your heart, a love that says, I want that person to be saved. I want that person to be blessed by God. I want them to be in heaven as much as I want to be there. I want God's love in their life just as much as I want and need it in my own life. So we'll, we'll love God and we'll love those who are born of him. Verse 2, by this we know that we are the children of God when we love God and we keep his commandments. Love leads to obedience. Abiding leads to obedience. There are a lot of people today who just think, I can believe one thing and live a different way. That's kind of how the, the Greek philosophers thought. They thought that there was this division of, of soul and body. The soul was the good part, this ghost part of you that could connect with God, and the body was the bad part. And so in their mind, they could believe something, and they could live totally different from it. They could commit adultery and do all sorts of things, and it, was, it wasn't affecting their soul because there was this division. Here we're seeing in John, no, no, that's not the case. What you do affects you. You are, are all a part of the same person, the same entity. And if we believe something, if we love God, it's going to lead to obedience. Verse 3, for the love of, this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Any other words for burdensome in your translations? Grievous. Grievous. Yeah, what else? Not difficult. Yeah, these are all some good words here. Uh, has it ever been difficult and burdensome following and obeying God? I'll just raise my hand and say, I've experienced that. Have you experienced that before? So, so how, do we, how do we harmonize this with our own experience? Not that our experience is the test of all things, but how do we understand this passage? And here's, here's how I understand it. And it comes back to the issue of abiding. The times when it's hard for me to obey God, you better believe, are the times when I'm not connected to God like I should be. Right? Um, at least for the most part. You maybe can think of some extreme circumstances. But in general, the more connected we are to Him, the more natural it will be for us to say, okay, God, I want to follow you. I want to obey you. And really, when you think about like God's Ten Commandment law, it just makes a lot of sense. It shouldn't be a burden for us not to murder people, right? I would love to go out and murder someone today, but God says I can't, so got to bear that burden, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, or, or, or what about telling the truth? The truth can be a burden in the content but being honest and not having to like, worry about your lies catching up to you, 
That is not a burden to just live in truth and be comfortable in the truth. Amen? Amen. Or like stealing. Is it a burden to refrain from breaking the law and possibly going to jail? That shouldn't be a burden. Amen? What about the Sabbath? Is the Sabbath a burden? Has it been a burden for you? I think many of us could say, you know, the way the Sabbath was explained to me, I felt it as a burden as I grew up. Or, or maybe you're still in that boat where you're thinking, man, it feels like the Sabbath is a bunch of rules. Probably the Sabbath feels like a burden either because we've explained it wrong or we're not abiding like we should. If it feels like a burden for a husband to go on a date with his wife, then maybe there's a fracture in the relationship. Because the, uh, a, a husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, or just good friends that enjoy one another's company, it shouldn't be a burden to spend time together, right? The Sabbath should be a tremendous blessing. God says, I don't want you to be burdened on this day, so don't work. Okay, amen. <laughs> what a blessing, right? Now, sometimes our society is a burden because society says, here are some job opportunities, but you got to work on this day. And we say, ah, oh, that's my special day with God. It's not the Sabbath that it's, that's the burden. It's the society that isn't interested in the things of God that's the burden, right? So God and following him shouldn't be this burden. It should be a blessing. And the closer we abide, the closer we get to him, the more we're going to want to abide, the more we're going to want to follow him. His commandments will not be burdensome. Verse 4, whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Not only does abiding lead to obedience, it also leads to victory, because God is living in us and empowering us. Verse 5, who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. We've seen this morning in our brief study, and there was a lot more we could have said. Briefly, number one, abiding and love, they go together. If you want to be more loving, be a better abider. What does abiding mean? It means getting with Jesus and staying with him. Start your morning off with him. Think about him throughout the day. Talk to him in your mind throughout the day. End your day with him. We're called to be seven-day Adventists, not just seventh-day Adventists. You know what I'm saying? Not just gorging ourselves on God one day of the week and then fasting from him the other six days. Every single day is a day with him. Number two, this abiding and love relationship will lead to less fear and more confidence and boldness as we look forward to the future. And number three, abiding and loving God leads to obedience and victory. So who wants those things in their life? Choice is ours. The choice is ours. You know, the Russians of Romania probably had it about as bad as any, uh, excuse me, the orphans. Did I say Russians? 
Okay, thanks. <laughs> you can see how the news is just in your mind, right? <laughs> no collusion. Okay. No, sorry. <laughs> Phrases get stuck in your mind. The orphans. Did I say it right? Orphans of Romania had it rough. Back in the 60s, the communist leaders totally outlawed abortion, except some very, very minor exceptions, and they totally outlawed any form of contraceptives. So that meant that there were a lot of extra babies born because they believed extra babies, extra population is going to lead to a boom in our economy. Didn't work the way they thought, and what ended up happening is a lot of parents just dropped off their babies at orphanages. And so there were just orphanages stacked full of kids. And as you can imagine, they were drastically underfunded and understaffed and overpopulated. Uh, many of these babies, many of these children were grossly neglected. Many of them died for lack of attention, a proper care. Uh, many of them were abused by people within the orphanage. And you know, a number of studies were done on these children and the effects of their neglect. Uh, many of them developed um, mental retardation or physical defects. Uh, some of them, as we discussed already, um, didn't even survive. And it's a tragic, tragic story. But what the, the social scientists and the researchers learned is it is absolutely essential to have loving touch and affection in your life, and especially uh, for infants. Especially for infants. Yeah, I was reading something online about this, and it's, the author said this regarding babies who die in orphanages because of lack of care. It says, but how could simply being an orphan in an orphanage just kill a baby? Basically, they said they die of lack of love. When an infant falls below the threshold of physical affection needed in order to stimulate the production of the growth hormone and the immune system, his or her body starts shutting down. When babies don't have that love and that care in their early lives, and I can tell this baby, Elise, is well-loved. Amen? Well, we're so happy to have kids and babies here in church. I love it. When they're well-cared for, you know, it, Actually, the research shows like when a mom snuggles a baby, especially the premature babies, they do a lot better. Uh, it, it develops and creates oxytocin. Their bodies release that when they're snuggled. And I was just thinking about it. If babies and people need love and affection in order to grow and to survive, how much more do we need that in our spiritual lives also. If we don't have the love and the affection and the positive touch from the believers around us, we're not going to thrive like we could. And if we don't have it from God, we may be coming to church, but we may be spiritually dead on the inside. So this morning, from John chapter 4 and the beginning of verse 4, Chapter 5, we're reminded that God loves us, He wants us to love others, and He wants us to be connected and abide in Him. 
so that we don't um, develop slower than we should spiritually or die spiritually. He wants us to grow and to thrive. So who wants to abide in the Lord? The choice is yours. I pray that each one of us will take practical steps today to stay better connected to the one who gives us his love, gives us confidence, and helps us to want to obey and have power to obey. Let's pray. Dear God, I am so thankful that you first loved us. You've always loved us. May this loving touch in our lives warm our hearts, prompt us to grow, and prompt us to seek you daily. Lord, I pray that we can share this same love that we've experienced with you, with those of us in this church and those that are not in this church but need your love desperately. Bless us and fill us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Um, We'll see you next time.